Yes, baseball season starts tomorrow. Yes, Marcus Stroman is injured for six weeks, and the New York Mets pitching rotation just took a massive dump. That is exactly what I would expect as a Mets fan a day before the season to start. The Pittsburgh Pirates have no home. The Dodgers just gave Mookie Betts a huge contract. And this is all stuff that's happened within the last three, four hours. What a perfect opportunity to say hello to Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs.com as we get ready for the 2020 season. Jay, welcome back. And, uh, man, a lot of good storylines uh, just uh, in today alone. Yeah, things are blowing up today. Uh, a lot, lot of uh, uh, good news and bad news. What do you want to hit on first? Oh, um, you know, the, uh, the Mookie Betts deal, I, I, I'm pretty impressed by that. Uh, 12 years and $365 million or something like that beyond this year. Um, some of the money is deferred. Um, you know, this is, this is uh, I think, a, a, an impressive uh, extension for, you know, for, for Betts. He probably, I think, facing the pandemic conditions, uh, a league that was, that's, you know, that, that, that's really going to be, um, you know, feeling the revenue hit the the loss of the revenue from from not having fans in the stands this year, um, I think it would have been uh, uh, maybe a bit of a, a dampened free agent tour. Um, so to sign with the Dodgers, a team that really I think was kind of due for this uh, a blockbuster uh, contract like this, I think is uh, um, it's a good move for them. I think it's a good move for Betts, um, and. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, it, it, this is this is already a very strong team, and and now they're they're set up for a, for a good long time because Betts is just 27 years old, and uh, they're just bursting at the seams with with young talent. You know what's interesting, Jay? When they acquired him in that trade, nobody was talking about this ever happening. They all thought it was a one-year rental. That was it. The Dodgers are rolling the dice on 2020 with Mookie, and they all figured he would leave after this year. And I heard very few people even even try and justify a possible contract extension, which, again, that much more impressive, and you give the Dodgers a lot of credit. You know, you acquire somebody for a reason, and obviously they didn't think about this as a one-year deal with Mookie. They thought long-term. Yeah, you know, there's, I mean, there's always, a, you know, I think any team that, that trades for a guy like that, um, they have to assume that it's possible that they don't get to keep him. Um, you know, and that they are really kind of, you know, no pun intended, making a bet on 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 their ability to woo him. Um, I think though that you figure the Dodgers always had uh, a lot going for them, uh, given you know the the recent you know the run of success that the franchise has had, uh, the payroll space, the you know just the competitive uh, um, outlook going forward. Uh, that this was something that they that they could do. I mean, if they, if they wanted to, they could they could have signed him in free agency. They would they they I think you know they probably still would have been the highest bidder. Uh, they might have had to face uh, the possibility that the Giants would get involved uh, and maybe the Mets if the Mets were in fact under new ownership. Uh, there's no way a Wilpon uh, Mets team is going to outbid the outbid the Dodgers for a, for a, a top free agent, um, just given their track record. Uh, but uh, um, you know, with with uh, their ability to you know to to start the conversations uh, uh, well ahead of schedule, uh, then, I, then I think that was, that was probably what what did this for them. I've I've heard that they actually did start the conversation uh, back in the spring. Red Sox fans are not happy today. They really are upset with their team because when they heard about the deal, but the deferred money, that was something that Red Sox fans felt that, you know what, Mookie Betts absolutely could have been part of this club for the next 10 years and could have been the face of this franchise. 
Yeah, I, I you know I think the, I think Red Sox fans have a right to be angry at at the, at, the, at the team ownership. I mean, you know they they uh, um, they squandered last season by not uh, uh, building up their roster, particularly uh, the bullpen, to account for uh, the loss of Craig Kimbrell and Joe Kelly, and uh, uh, it was a it was a lost season and. Uh, um, you know, then they then they traded bets away, and I think the return was, you know, solid. Uh, you know, Alex Verdugo is a, is a good player, and I think he'll be, uh, um, you know, uh, become a fixture in that outfield here for for the next few years. But uh, um, you know, it just didn't look like they're like like they were pushing the chips in this year either. Even before they lost Chris Sale, their rotation now just looks like. Uh, dog meat, I think, is probably the the nicest term I could use. Um, you know, and and um, you know, there to to the idea that you know that was voiced in some quarters that oh they might just resign bets. You know, that was uh, that was a fantasy. It's the same fantasy they had when they traded away John Lester. Uh, those things don't happen, and uh, uh, it, it's you know the 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 track record uh, of of players who left Boston. Uh, uh, maybe uh, somewhat unhappy is is a long one. Um, you know, uh, the grass is always greener somewhere else. Absolutely right. Um, but without a doubt, that is the story of the day today, and I'm sure that uh, Dodger fans, again, are happy about it. But as far as the rest of the National League West goes, you know, they got to deal with uh, what's going to be a pretty loaded Dodger nucleus now for the uh, foreseeable future, which is going to be difficult as teams like the Padres and uh, the Diamondbacks and uh, the Rockies try to figure out a way to, to catch Los Angeles while uh, you still have, uh, at least at this point, the Giants in a full rebuild. Build, uh, trying to figure out how they can eventually get back on track. Yeah, I mean the Padres, I think, are have have, a, have the have the brightest future of those teams, uh, um, just because of all the young talent they've got on the farm right now. Um, but you know the Diamondbacks and Rockies at times have both showed signs of of, of building up. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that the that that the uh, those two teams were the were the two NL wild card teams, and it looked like uh, uh, they had uh, you know. Nuclei, both had nuclei that uh, uh, that that could at least keep them competitive, if not uh, you know spending on the level of the powerhouse uh, Dodgers. But um, you know it's tough to sustain uh, competition when you don't have uh, the same kind of resources that that the Dodgers have, and and uh, <coughs> you know that's you know you you can't afford many things going wrong, and really too many things have gone wrong for both of those teams over the last few years, and uh, I think some of that's uh, at the management level. Uh, more than the player level, but uh, um, yeah, they're they're chasing uh, a, a team that really uh, has has the uh, pedal to the metal and, and is just widening the gap uh, with you know at every turn. Jay Jaffe joining us uh, from Fangraphs.com here on Sports Talk as as we continue. Um, as far as the divisions go, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see some uh, some some teams like maybe the Padres or somebody else kind of sneak in in a sixty game season and and uh, make things interesting? Especially if baseball figures out a way in the next twenty four hours before the season starts to add six more teams to the postseason lineup and go from ten to sixteen. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, the six, a sixteen-team playoff field. It's it's not going to take much much for you know, a team like San Diego to break through uh, and and make the playoffs. It's um, I had you know when I filed my staff prediction uh, thing for Fangraphs, I had the Nationals and Cubs as the as the wild card teams with the Reds and uh, uh, Braves winning the other two uh, NL divisions. But you know, I I thought about the Padres. I know some of my colleagues have the Padres uh, in a wild card spot. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all 
I mean, if you've got eight teams, are they one of the NL's best eight teams? Almost certainly right now, uh, given, given that level of talent. And, uh, uh, you know, that changes the picture entirely if you're, if you're moving from five teams to eight teams in the playoffs. Oh, it sure does. And uh, it makes, uh, you're right, uh, you know, teams that normally would be uh, maybe, uh, you know, three, four, five games back uh, could suddenly find themselves in. And it's strange if you think about that, uh, you know, you expand it to the point where, you know, half of, of baseball gets in or more than half of baseball. It's, uh, it's you know, it kind of turns into what we used to talk about with the NBA years ago when we felt like everybody from the NBA gets into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think it just underscores the fact that this year, particularly with the short schedule, it's a tournament, you know, and, and uh, tournaments are Cinderella teams. It's a lot easier to, to be Cinderella in a tournament than it is to be Cinderella in a marathon. Um, you know, that's uh, uh, you're more likely to get uh, an unlikely winner uh, out of it, and uh, there's, you know, there's some merit to that in terms of the amount of excitement it can, it can bring and, uh, and all that, and I think... You know we've seen we've seen baseball expand the playoffs and and it, uh, over the you know over the past quarter century and it's taken um, you know it's 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 taken away some of the emphasis on the top teams and given given hope to uh, uh, you know the wild card teams and 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 the lesser teams and uh, um, you know we can debate as to whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but uh, um, you know it certainly does uh, uh, expand the palette of what you might get uh, come October. More with Jay as we keep things moving here on Sports Talk. If you've got a question for the Fangraphs uh, baseball writer, let's hear from you. You can send it to us on Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso or our free mobile app powered by United Bank. But first, here he is, Adrian Broaddus, and this bottom of the hour Sports Center update.
Thank you very much, Adrian. I appreciate it. Pinky chimes in on the app for a question for Jay Jaffe. Uh, he messages us and says, at yesterday's A's-Giants game, Matt Chapman from the A's hit a long fly ball, and it was an obvious home run. The on-field umpires did not call it, and Chapman ended up with a double. Replay showed it was a home run. It was a bad call and stood. I'm a Giants fan. Even though I was surprised the replay umpire did not make the correction. What gives, and how can baseball avoid these errors? Pun intended. All right, Jay, you want to tackle that one? Boy, I, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see the, uh, the event in question. Um, I've, I've, I'm scratching my head as to how that, how that couldn't have been corrected. Um, you know, other than the fact that it is an exhibition, that we've seen some really weird stuff uh, in these uh, exhibitions, like Aaron Judge hitting a three-out home run uh, against the Phillies the other day because – uh, the Phillies pitcher Vince Velasquez wanted to get one more batter in before uh, completing his work for the day. Um, you know, the good news is that none of these games count. It's uh, uh, as we say often in March when we when, when we uh, mess up. Hey, hey, it's spring training for everybody. Um, I guess that goes for the umpires too. Let's hope that uh, uh, once the games count, that they get it right and uh, um, you know be glad that uh, what happened what happened in the context of an exhibition game. There you go. I mentioned the uh, loss of uh, Marcus Stroman due to a calf strain out at least six weeks. You wrote about uh, Jake DeGrom uh, yesterday, uh, actually on Monday that was, for Fangraphs.com. How big of a loss is uh, losing Stroman to the Mets? Well, it's a big deal. You know, they lost, have it, they already lost uh, Noah Syndergaard for the season due to Tommy John's surgery. Um, and what I, sh- what I showed on Monday was using, using our projection system that the Mets had more value tied up in DeGrom, uh, more projected value tied up in DeGrom than any rotation did with any one pitcher, uh, you know, from our, from our staff, uh, uh, projections and that the gap between number one and number two, DeGrom and in this case Stroman, uh, was also larger than, uh, than for any other team. Uh, now, uh, it's even larger if you lose if you knock a few uh, points off of uh, 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 off of uh, Stroman's above place, and we had him projected for 1.1 WAR. He's going to miss uh, he could miss half the half the quote unquote season uh, here. So, uh, the gap is even larger, and uh, you know relative to other teams. And uh, this is a because really right in the middle of the pack. We had them projected as the NL's fifth best team, uh, right on the fringes of the wild card, but. Uh, uh, closely packed with about uh, uh, four or five other teams uh, in that hunt, and um, you know, if uh, as things stand, if they lose Stroman, that could very well be uh, you know enough to cost them a playoff spot. Anybody else that you see starting the season with a a big loss to their club that they might get back, but obviously could have an impact in a very uh, shortened season like this year. Oh geez, I'd have to think about that one for a moment here. Um, you know, I mean, I still trying, still trying to to wrap my head around all of the, uh, uh, the you know, the coronavirus outages and 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 what you know what we're dealing with there. But uh, um, you know, it's it, the losses of the of the Tommy John guys already loom pretty large, though, and and they're not coming back. And I know yesterday there was a big scare with Jose Altuve uh, getting dinged by mm-hmm. his knee, but. Uh, I'm struggling to think offhand of an injury that uh, uh, everybody's waiting to see how quickly somebody comes back. Um, I'll I'll give you a hint. Anthony Rendon's got oblique soreness uh, with the Angels, and obliques are always a tough injury to deal with, especially. Rendon is is definitely one there. I mean, the uh, uh, the, um, 
the Angels are, you know, they're probably, I, I would characterize them as a, as a fringe contender um, because they're just not that strong besides Mike Trout uh, uh, and Rendon. And uh, losing your second best player for a stretch uh, obviously could really hurt. Absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of really hurting, the Toronto Blue Jays don't even have a home place to play. They were told they can't go back to Canada. Today, Pennsylvania said no to them after they thought they were going to be in Pittsburgh. Um, it's weird, isn't it, uh, that the Blue Jays are going to start a year and, and not have a home ballpark, even if they were going to have a, a park that pretended to be home for them that wasn't their home. Now they don't even have that. Yeah, it's a t- it's a tough situation, and and basically it's because the Canadian government decided that uh, with the uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, really uh, ramping up here in in the states, that uh, it was a health risk to bring uh, players uh, to have players crossing the border without self quarantining, um, you know, in accordance with the rules. Um, you know, there, we've already seen uh, uh, other other localities grant uh, grant waivers to teams. Uh, with regards to those rules, and, and there was some question last week as to whether the Nationals would get to play in, uh, uh, at uh, at Nationals Park. But the Blue Jays, you know, because they are uh, from another country, um, they ha- they have different rules, and now it's uh, it's a real problem for them. Uh, there are a number there were a number of scenarios floated. I think uh, uh, Ross Atkins, their general manager. Uh, said they were dealing with at least five contingencies, one of which is uh, playing at their AAA park in Buffalo, which would have to be upgraded uh, uh, in several ways, including the lighting and the and the clubhouses, uh, in order to accommodate the team. Uh, sharing a ballpark with the Pirates seemed like it was going to happen because it was it was actually reported that it that was a done deal uh, before the uh, uh, the state of Pennsylvania said no. Um, I know they've talked uh, to the Orioles as well. Um, it's possible that they could uh, uh, pair up with the Orioles and then maybe play a few overflow games uh, uh, at Nationals Park when uh, when uh, uh, there's a scheduling conflict. Um, other than that, though, I'm really not sure how they're going to do this. This may actually tilt uh, back towards uh, sending them to Buffalo, their their minor league, uh, their AAA outpost, because their spring training outpost in, in uh, Dunedin, Florida. Um, you know that's the uh, Florida is the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak right now. So um, I don't think uh, they can, uh, in good conscience, send their players there. Agreed. All right. So tomorrow night, when you get ready for Yanks and the Nats, we'll have it for you. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Five o'clock first pitch. Four o'clock pregame show. No sports talk tomorrow. That means I'll get the opportunity to maybe uh, virtually toast Jay in a beer to start the twenty twenty season. What are you gonna? Uh, what have you picked out? Have you have you thought about this yet, or are we still uh, right now kind of gonna go uh, to the, down to the wire before you uh, drink a beer tomorrow night? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 chatting late at night tomorrow, uh, it, along with Dodgers and uh, uh, Giants game. Uh, our group chat at Fangraphs. I'm, I haven't decided what I'm going to drink, but the beer that I had in mind for today is one that I had last night. Um, let me see if I could pull it up here. Uh, it is. Uh, I went for a socially dis- distanced drink with with one of my best friends uh, last night. Uh, uh, we just we had a, 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 a our schedules matched up and. Uh, uh, we went to one of our, our, our old haunts and uh, uh, had a couple of cold ones. And uh, the one I was going to talk about today uh, is a beer I figure you would like a lot. This is the Suarez Family Breweries Round the Bend Porter. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the brewmaster there is somebody who's worked at Six Point uh, and Hill Farmstead, and uh, their beers come highly regarded. Uh, they are based 
believe here in New York, uh, not outside the city. I think it's upstate. Uh, but this porter, uh, a little bit chocolatey, a little bit sweet. Um, I would say it's a it's a lighter drinking porter. You know, if there's such a thing as a summer porter, this would be a, a great summer porter. You could almost call it a, a, a dark lager, um, but a little bit sweeter than that. Uh, easy drinking, 5.3% ABV. Uh, I'd like to find out where I can get more, uh, if not on tap, uh, because uh, this was really good stuff. Nice. Now, they brought the uh, bottle this in Hudson, New York. Where exactly is Hudson, New York, Jay? Hudson, New York is, uh, I think it's a couple hours outside the city, up the Hudson River, basically. Um, you know, the Hudson River divides New York from New Jersey. Uh, and, uh, uh you know, kind of farm country up there. Some a uh, lot of lot of uh, uh, lot of old structures. Good place to go antiquing if you're into that sort of thing. And uh, uh, you know, upstate New York and central New York uh, is is gorgeous country. Very nice, very very nice. Well, listen, enjoy uh, opening day. We appreciate uh, you coming on with us today, and uh, happy that we can finally, as we approach the end of July, talk about a baseball season in 2020. Unbelievable. I'm looking forward to it. You know, spring uh, uh, opening day is always a time for renewal, a re- renewal of hope. Uh, and right now, I think we could all use just a dose of that. Fantastic, Jay. Until next week, take care and thanks for the time. Okay, sure thing. Jay Jaffe, Fangraphs.com. Follow him on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. Back with more right after Stephanie Valle, ABC 7 News, right here on 600. It's ESPN El Paso. Right now, two big hours to go. And why not get ready to send it right back to UTEP head football coach Dana Dimmel for our daily chat that we started last week. And we get to go position by position until we complete the entire team for the 2020 football season. Coach, good to have you back on the show today. How's your Wednesday been going? Cap, it's going good. I meant to say something yesterday. I really liked the uh, Rolling Stones lead-up that we had to the last one, to the last show. That was nice. Thank you. We'll keep that in mind. Give me your uh, top three bands, so at least we have an oh, idea God. that when we bring Eagles. you on, we can at least play some of your favorite tunes. Who do you, who's your top yeah, three? Eagles. Eagles okay. are number one, right? Journey is number two. And number three would be, this is a tough one, number three, I'm going to have to go with the Rolling Stones. Uh, you're a classic to, rock guy. You are. Yeah, I like the classic rock stuff. Once I once you got that stuff rolling there, that got me good. I hear you. All right, Adrian, make a note. Eagles, Journey, and the Stones. Got it. All I'm right? ready. I'm ready. Perfect. That is that is terrific. All right, we've got that. Sounds like a guy that graduated in nineteen eighty one, right? That's exactly right. That's why we just played yeah. uh, Low Motley Crew, but uh, unfortunately, well, well, they broke uh, while you were probably in college, so they missed you by a couple of years. But I'm sure early Motley Crew was probably pretty popular when uh, when you were in school. Oh, no doubt, absolutely. Yep, good, good Very group. Nice. All right, now let's talk about the team, how things are progressing, and, and which position you would like to talk about uh, today. Okay, so we're back to defense, all right? So we'll go back to defense, and um, we'll finish up with the safeties because we talked about the corners, all right? And I wanted to break it up into corners and safety, and um, so I want to hit the safety position for us right now. And so that is a position – Last year, Cap, that was hit pretty hard by injury. Uh, Justin Prince, who's probably our very best player in our secondary, 
got hurt after the Southern Miss game. The good news is he got that year back and uh, is going to be able to, you know, actually have multiple years of eligibility left in our program. But he's got himself healthy and feeling really good, training really at a high level right now. So he'll be our strong safety in our package. I alluded a little bit to Davion Inyang, a junior college player out of Kilgore, that last year played exclusively on special teams for us. He's, he's slated to start at our low safety position slash the nickel position that I alluded to that we can start, put a corner in there when we want to be really good at coverage, and then Davion will be the starter in there on every down, you know, on every down type of situations on early downs. And so he's looking really, really good, got himself in great shape, a very physical tackler. I really love his intensity that he brings to the table. And then our weak safety position is – uh, another uh, young man that's been in the program for a while, and he was scheduled to start for us last year at this position and, and got hurt the last week of camp leading up into into the season and never got to play at all last year, and that's Broderick Harrell. And so Broderick is a guy that uh, is, I think, a very, very good player that's going to have a chance to really showcase what he can do. So when I talk about those three guys Right there at the safety spot, Cap, I, I really like what those three guys bring as our, you know, penciled-in starters. But Mikel Broussard, the young man, his daddy was the associate head coach at UCLA uh, under Steve Alford. And uh, so Mikel was going to school at Notre Dame High School in California when we recruited him, but now his dad's coaching at TCU. And uh, Mikel comes, obviously, from a really good sports family, uh, grew up around athletics, and, and I think he's going to be a really solid player, so he'll challenge for, for starting time. Again, we redshirted him last year, so he's one of the young players at that position that we feel really good about. And then we signed here this summer Deshaun Trotter, who's 6'2", 210-pound safety, that looks really, really good. He's explosive. He actually played corner uh, and safety in junior college and uh, at Sac City, and, and he can do any of those things. He can cover. He can pressure. He, really, he looks like an SEC type of safety out there, and uh, we're really, really excited about what he's going to bring to the table. And then that's followed up by Tyreek James, who's a, a, a junior college player that we redshirted last year uh, that we feel really highly about. So we redshirted quite a few guys in our secondary last year uh, and, and we're hit by injury at the safety spot. So those are our top six, and we have a young man right now that uh, is taking some classes that should be finalized here by the end of July that uh, will come into the fold as well, another junior college safety that we feel really, really high on, but I'm not sure how much I can co- uh, comment on him right now uh, because of where he is, and he hasn't signed anything yet, but uh, he's committed to us, and and uh, we're really looking forward to getting him in the program. So I feel like we've developed some really good depth there at the safety spot as well. Is Trotter a junior coach? Trotter is a junior, absolutely. And he's got three to play, too. Um, you know, so he could redshirt, but I don't anticipate that. He's dynamic, athletic. One of the things we liked about him is on uh, if, you, if you get on his Twitter, you can see him doing a really tremendous dunk in basketball. And uh, for those fans out there that want to follow him, he's just a tremendous athlete. Like I said, he looks the part. He's tall and, 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 good, and very good-sized safety. 
when you look at safeties, because you, you reeled off a couple of guys that are on this roster that are 5'11 or so, and then yep. you've got a couple that are you know 6'6'1", six, six, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Trotter at 6'2". What do you look for most besides athletic ability? Do you look for size? Would I, in a perfect world, do you want safeties that are taller than six feet, or is that not as much of an issue for you? You know what? I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and this is a great question, and I don't know if you and I have talked about this. I think maybe we might have visited with, about this. So Winston's senior year, uh, when we went to the Senior Bowl, uh, they prayed every player across the um, – stage you know they put you down in your skivvies and they prayed you across stage and they put you on a scale and they height and they weight you and uh and uh and then you just stand there in front of all the gm scouts so so forth really a pretty cool it's kind of like a prize fight and um you you say everybody says you got to have six foot safeties right we can't recruit unless you're a six foot safety and there was not one six foot safety at the senior bowl the elite players in college football, all the elite seniors in college football, there was not one six-foot safety. And I thought that really was really interesting to go to the point that, you know, some people love that height at safety. And, yeah, we love it, but it's hard to find a guy that's big and can play. That's a tough combination. And so for me, it's more just great ball skills, ability to be a really good open field tackler, as you and I alluded to in one of the earlier shows, Cap, how important that is. So those are the characteristics that we're looking for. And then he's got to be a great processor because things are happening so fast back there. I mean, just anybody can put themselves in a position if they've been around the game at all where you're back there, you know, in whatever type of format of football you are playing, things are going so fast. you got to really have great eye control. There's nothing worse than a safety that bites on the eye candy and takes the cheese, you know. Uh, you got to have great eye control. It's so interesting that you brought up the the senior bowl que- uh, you know point about all being under six feet tall because you always think to yourself, wow, if you can get a six one six two safety that can hit, that's such a dynamic player. But ultimately, um, if as long as you've got a nose for the ball and can finish your tackles and and really deliver the wood, hey, does it really matter if you're six two or if you're five eleven? It doesn't. It really does not matter. And it's hard to find guys that are 6'2". Okay, so let me give you a prime example. Great story, you know, because as we get, as we visit on the show, we can jump off on some tangents that are great for uh, sports fans to hear. So we're at Kansas State, and Jordy Nelson's there, okay? And Jordy Nelson is out of a real small school just outside of Manhattan, okay? And we're, and we're trying to make him into a safety, you know, and Jordy's six foot two, right? And, it's, and we're trying to make him into a safety, and the coaches are going, this guy can't play, okay? He walked on from Riley, Kansas, and he cannot play, all right? There's no way he's ever going to play Division One football, okay? And so somebody says, well, you know, he's 6'2". Maybe defensive back's not his position. Why don't we move him over to wide receiver and give him a chance? And the rest is history, you know? And so what's the point? It's hard to play safety at 6'2". It's hard to be that kind of a guy and be able to change direction and break on the football and do all those things. So that's why it just goes to show you that's a difficult guy to find. You know, you'll see some of them in the league, right? I mean, they're in the, those are the elite of the elite, but there's lots of 6'2 safeties that couldn't make it, you know, make it to that level for sure. 
So interesting. Dana Dimmel joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Let's send it over to Adrian right now. He's got a couple questions for you, Coach. Coach, do you remember a time in your career when you lose three starters at the safety position and then you still feel as good as you do about this position group with the guys returning uh, this year? I know. I feel better about it. I feel a lot better about the position. I mean, it's night and day how much better I feel because two of them were starters, you know, at that spot, you know, and then one of them was one we just felt like really had to learn the system and we didn't want to put him in there ahead of one of those other guys, you know, that we thought kind of knew knew more about his position. So, yeah, so some of that's based on injuries, you know, that two of those guys would have been starters regardless last year. So now you got two starters really coming back, you know, and then you got a third guy that you think has a huge potential to be really special. But I feel good about Mikel and Deshaun and Tyreek, too. Uh, you know, I'm not – one of the things I want to make sure, you know, because all the players – get access to what we're talking about. You know, they're privy to everything that's being said on this show, you know, and uh, I want them to understand we're talking, you know, no spots are locked in stone. There's heavy competition. As you guys know, I go through each and every spot at our position because they're wide open, and uh, I want that to be understood. I really feel good about some of those other guys competing for those spots as well. And, Coach, yeah. I, I go back to Broderick Harrell real quick. He's probably the most seasoned player on the team, dating way back to 2016 when he signed with the program. Fans haven't really seen him, but your staff, the previous staff, has always talked about his upside. What kind of player do you think he will be this upcoming season? I think Broderick's real, real twitchy and explosive, uh, runs extremely well for his size, and I think he's really learned – how to prepare himself, and he's getting better each and every day in his preparation factor. And so we're big fans of Broderick, and he's a smart football player. You know, we have a drill where it tests guys change of directions, and they have to follow the instructions real intently, and he was doing that yesterday, and he was right on cue with one of our top defensive guys with that drill, and it's a processing drill. So Broderick's a smart football player, too. So I'm really excited to watch him. He's in the program for two more years. You know, that's really a plus. Justin Prince has two slash three more years if he wants to use them in the program because of injury. So uh, those guys will be around for a while, too. So that's what's exciting as well. Devon Inyang is a big X factor for you this season, isn't he? Especially because yeah. he could play multiple roles. Right. And he's physical. I mean, he loves to hit, and he's working really hard, and he's learned the defense now, and he could be a guy. It makes all kind of plays for us out there. That's what I'm really looking forward to out of Davion. He's just, you know, really his nickname's Ten, so we call him Ten. Ten uh, is his nickname, and so he he likes to be called Ten, and uh, he's a good player. And, and, and we can't wait to watch Ten make some plays for us this year. Really, really looking forward to what he can do. I'm so interested in if you're going to be featuring more uh, three safeties with the nickel uh, or two safeties in the nickel or then go back to just the conventional three linebackers because you've talked about both and you said that yeah. different situations will, will obviously impact it. But, um, sure. I, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to predict until you game plan for your opponent every week, right? It is. It's going to be A, game plan for the opponent, and B, Who's playing at the highest level? Uh, let's put some scenarios out there, Cap. Let's say uh, we got three safeties that are playing really, really good, okay? So now we might want to be in more of our even package, right, with three safeties out there. 
Uh, let's say we have three linebackers that are playing really, really good. Well, now we might want to be in our odd package with three linebackers out there. And as Adrian and, and you mentioned earlier, or maybe we we want to we got three corners that are playing really, really well. Maybe we want to get into our nickel package out of our even front and play with three corners out there. Or maybe we want to get in our dime package out of our odd front and play with three corners out there in our dime package. And so there's so much versatility, and it's all built into the system. And so the more talent we get, the more we can use that diversification in our defense. Do you consider uh, you know, the fall camp to really be an open competition to see who gets into those starting two to three roles for you uh, at safety? Yeah, I do. And at corner. You know, I was sitting there thinking today, gosh, Deron Lowe's come back with such a great focus to him. He's had a good – and, you know, he's really matured off the field. He did really well in his summer classes and just a renewed focus that he needs because the talent's all over. He has all the talent you need. Josh Caldwell's a workaholic, but I'm like, how are those two going to keep Dennis Barnes out of the lineup? You know, Dennis is probably our most athletic player. And so those are thoughts that come to my mind as we start trying to, you know, get our personnel all put together there in the secondary. Coach, terrific stuff today. Enjoyed the breakdown at the safety spot. And uh, no show tomorrow because it's opening night for Major League Baseball. We'll have Washington and the Yankees. So we'll get to pick things up again with you Friday at 5. Sounds good. I'll be ready to go. Thanks, guys. Sounds great. Dana Dimmel giving us the lowdown here on Sports Talk as we continue. Jeff Erickson coming up next. And then we'll get right back to uh, more of your phone calls and tweets as we roll through. Charlie One standing by. He's got a traffic update for us. Charlie, how are we doing today? Back here on Sports Talk as we continue right now. Jeff Erickson joining us from rotowire.com, your premium source for fantasy sports. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial subscription to the website. Don't even have to put a credit card down. It's so nice to, to just enjoy Rotowire and see everything that you have to offer. It'll get you hooked, and then you'll want to keep playing. And next thing you know, you'll be checking out all the sports, plus the software and everything they have for you. Jeff, good to have you back, and hard to believe baseball finally starting up tomorrow. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. Um, you know, it's it's. Didn't, didn't at some point at one point I didn't think it was going to get here. I, I I really thought it was in doubt, but here we're on the precipice of it, and it looks like there's a chance of it pulling off. So I'm ex- I'm pretty excited. I am too. I think it's going to be great. Um, and and I'll tell you something. I you know I'm starting to. I've got one more draft uh, tonight that I'm handling uh, uh, a roto draft, but for the most part been rounding out my roster and my other leagues over the last um, a few weeks. I know you've done the same. You've been drafting like crazy. So how do you feel? Do you feel pretty good uh, now that we know it's a condensed season? You're kind of just looking forward to the opportunity to play a little fantasy baseball at this point? Yeah, I feel like uh, you know I've been doing all this studying for the final exam, and now it's here on us. And, uh, you know, hey, you're just ho- hoping that I pass. I have one more little fun draft tonight, and that's it, and I'll be done. And finally... A lot of drafts this year, uh, but, hey, it's been worth it. A couple ones that got tossed back and had to redo, but uh, here we are. And now it's just, let's get started. Uh, you know, only two games tomorrow. I wish everybody played tomorrow, but I'll, I'll deal with this. This is, the, this is a fine compromise. It is. It really is. I was trying to think of the one record that could get shattered in the, uh, or at least, uh, you know, have an opportunity in 60 games. Maybe it was, it's, it's, you know, a 400 batting average, even though it's unlikely and there'll be an asterisk by it because of the shortened season. But would that seem like the one thing that, that has a realistic shot here uh, during a condensed season? 
Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, I'd say the ratio stats. Uh, you know, you might see like a really low ERA as well. Um, you know, you, you know, maybe not Bob Gibson esque because we're we're in a different era. But you know, someone can string together twelve starts and put put together like a sub two ERA. That would be pretty be pretty amazing. But you know, two months you can see someone hit four hundred over two months. That's happened before. I agree with you. Now, if you're a Mookie Betts owner, how much better do you feel knowing that he's going to be a Dodger for the next dozen years? I think if you're a Dodgers fan, you feel pretty darn good about it. I'll say that much. Uh, if you, yeah, and bet, yeah, it's not hanging over him. They got it done before the season started, so that's that's got to be a relief for him. Uh, it's one less un, a bit of uncertainty in an uncertain season. I mean, <laughs> hey, he he knows where he's going to be for the next 13 years. The Blue Jays don't know where they're going to be in 13 days. That's a great point, especially after what happened today with uh, with with Pittsburgh and the state of Pennsylvania. How long have you been saving that joke? Because that is that is phenomenal. I wish I, I had a written together somebody. on the fly. I'll be honest with you. Um, That's but, good. Yeah, I, I mean, we, the whole the whole thing on Twitter is you know the season starts tomorrow and the Jays don't know where they're going to be. Their first home game is in nine days. But here's the thing: no matter where he, uh, you know where they end up playing, it's not home. That's true. You know, that's the thing that's got to be super frustrated them. They, you know, they're not going to have an apartment. They're going to be living at a hotel. You know, it, you know it's got to be really hell on your family. Now, I know their family probably didn't go up with them for training in Toronto, so maybe they're more conditioned for that aspect of it. But I think they were kind of counting at least having a home base. Now they don't have that. Uh, it's going to be in some other city, and it might be a sixty-game road se- schedule. That might be where, like, you know, they'll be nominally the home team, but they're going to be playing other people's parks all along. Yeah, they're going to play a sixty-game road schedule. The question is, where will they be playing their home yeah. games? It could be Buffalo. It could be um, we're hearing Baltimore. I don't know if there's any other possibilities you're hearing right now. I would think, yeah, I've heard those two, and I've heard the possibility of uh, just play all road games. I've heard that as a possibility. I've heard Florida and Dunedin, but really want to go to Florida right now? I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I understand they have. Uh, you know, there's some teams that are going to have that as a, as a. You know, you know, we've, some sports have that right now with the NBA and MLS, and we're seeing all these tests, and they're, they're not going to have a bubble. It's going to be really hard to have a good bubble. So, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's just a big mess. Well, the Marlins have to play in Miami, and the Rays have to play in Tampa right now. Yeah, but at least they're at home. I mean. You think that at least they'd be able to control it a little bit better, but uh, maybe in Dunedin they can work it out because they have facilities there. But you know what? Guess what? You know they had players training down there. At least one that got did catch something. So it's a good point. And I guess and and I guess uh, Nashville is just too far out of the way for them to call Nashville home. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, no more so than Florida, though, right? So true, true. No, yeah, I, I, I still know. think. It's... Look, I, I like the Buffalo idea because it's their AAA facility. The problem is, and I heard this today from Randall Grychuk, they want to players want to play in a big league ballpark. They don't want to go and and spend their home games in a AAA stadium. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Because uh, better lighting, you know, and then there's the, all the uh, tech issues. Like you know, they, every major league park has had uh, TrackMan uh, the 2.0 installed, and now. You know, if they go to Buffalo, that won't be there. I, I, I doubt it, at least. It'll probably take too long for that to happen. You know, I, I, there's a lot of problems, and it's something you just got to try to figure out how to deal with it there, and it's going to be just what a mess. Oh, I totally agree with you. More with uh, Jeff as we hit the bottom of the hour. Again, if you've got a fantasy question, this is the time to send it to us right now. You can tweet us, 600 ESPN El Paso, or send it our way on the mobile app powered by United Bank. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this middle-of-the-show Sports Center update. 
Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate that. As we keep things moving here on Sports Talk, uh, we talk uh, to Jeff Erickson each and every Wednesday, fantasy football and baseball season. And right now, baseball is right around the corner. Did you watch a lot of inter-squad games and some of these uh, other matchups these, the last uh, four or five days or so and, and kind of get used to the MLB, the show, uh, audio in the background that they're piping into the stadium and on the cast and, and watching at least guys play some ball right now? I, I, re- I started watching when they played against each other, the exhibition games against each other. I had a hard time watching their squad games. Uh, I, think I caught a little bit of that, but it, it was a harder watch. But uh, watching these inner squad, I mean, watching these exhibition games with some quirks here and there, like seeing, uh, you know, Vince Velasquez have to get a fourth out in his last inning because they wanted him to throw more pitches and then giving up the homer to judge. Yeah, that, that's felt bad for him for that. But, uh, you know, besides that, you know, I've been enjoying it. Um, I, you know, I, yeah, I absolutely uh, watched a lot the last two days in particular. And I, I've had drafts each night. And I just have it on in the background. It's perfect. Are there players that you've taken note over the last few days that are either on your radar for a variety of reasons where they might not have been earlier, just last-minute things that you started to pick up on? Uh, just more. Just We're getting all these news items, you know, you know clarification on health or, you know, roll or something like that, or, you know, some moves. That's moved the needle a little bit. You know, you finally get to see Luis Robert. You know, saw him on the Sunday night game against the Cubs. Like, oh, that's a big dude. How did he not hit any homers in 2018? None. And then he hit, like, 30-something last year. And you start to, then you look at him, you're like, oh, he must have just gotten, he just must have bulked up last year. And it's a lot different now. Now you, now you look at him, he's like, oh, that guy's huge. He's strong. And I want to see a lot more of him. I'm with you on that one. I think he's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. Although, I'll tell you, um, you know, I've been a Nomar Mazzara believer since he first came up with Texas, and I'm starting to wonder if, uh, you know, with that outfield, uh, the way it's situated in Chicago, he might be phased out a little bit uh, this season. Yeah, he just went on the IL today, too. So uh, I think he's. I think it was an illness. I don't know if it's if it's COVID or whatever what it, what it is, but you know, and yeah, of course, you, you have to worry about that. Um, and other prospects that come along the way. Yeah, he needs to produce or they'll find someone else. Absolutely. Marcus Stroman owners aren't happy. Look what happened to him today, landing on the IL probably for the next six weeks out, really putting a strain on uh, on Mets pitching right now, which is already thin to begin with. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they already lost Thor, and now they lost him. And this is a big injury. This is not the, the first big injury he's had either. So a uh, little... Uh, worried if if you're the Mets uh, on that one there. Um, so that was some bad news. I mean, Stephen Matz moves up to the number two start. Actually, it's good for Matz because he gets a home start against the. You know, it's not great against the Braves, but at least it's at home. Uh, gets a slightly better sequence there. Uh, one extra start, perhaps. Uh, the other big news is uh, Zach Wheeler. His wife gave birth already. You know, remember at one point he was mm-hmm. talking like end of July his wife was due, and he didn't know if he'd come back after that. Well, she's had the baby. And he's going to come back, and he's going to pitch on Saturday. So a, a guy that you might have discounted in some drafts, I saw him go a little later last night in the draft, all of a sudden that's fine. What's the deal with Jordan Alvarez? Has he still not reported to Houston? I have not heard a thing about it. That's the thing that's so frustrating. Yeah, he's still not with the team. And, you know, I do, you know, certain guys, I, I, I do, like, you know, Twitter searches every day. Sometimes it's uh, – you know, it's, it's Jordan Alvarez. Uh, sometimes it was Austin Meadows last week, but I haven't really seen anything about him. It could be, remember, he was b- bothered by a knee problem last uh, in, in the spring. 
And we haven't actually even heard if that's fully recovered or not. I, I, part of me in the back of my mind thinks, like, is that still an issue? And the problem is we don't know. No one's saying anything, and that's, that's the problem with, uh, you know, some of these uh, guys that are missing. It's, you know, sometimes, like, Diego Castillo had a family matter to attend to, came back, and he was on schedule to be ready for the start of the season. Other guys, it definitely was COVID, and they're not going to be ready. Aroldis Chapman, we found out today, still hasn't had a negative test yet, so we don't know when he's going to come back. Every guy is different, and because they, in many cases they can't disclose, we're just trying to figure it out. No doubt. Uh, Walker Bueller fans won't be happy. He doesn't get a pitch the first week. He has to wait till Monday to go up against the Houston Astros. So that's a tough blow if you're a Bueller right. owner in fantasy sports. And what's the deal with young Oakland A's pitchers and why they're just not being able to shake the injury bug? Well, that's just young pitchers usually. I mean, that's, that's the problem. But the A's have gotten hit by it lately. Uh, yeah, it's horrible news with A.J. Puck. This is you know, a, set, you know, a big setback there because uh, he's had problems before, so that's especially concerning. You know, Jesus Lazardo is COVID, so he's going to begin the year in the bullpen. Sean Manaya, his velocity was down the other night. Now, he might just be ramping up, but if you look at his average fastball velocity the last couple of years, it was already declining, so that's not good either. Who are your sleeper teams in the 60-game schedule? Give me a couple that are not on the radar for a lot of fans that you think could have a chance to do some things. You know, I... It's probably already been talked up, but I'm getting some White Sox fever. I wonder about uh, that that ro- rotation a little bit. That might be the thing that uh, yeah you know, that that might be a concern. Is you know can they can they hold stuff? But I love their schedule. It's just whether their pitching can hold up. They might be they're just going to score a ton of runs though. Um, I think Arizona's kind of sneaky. Uh, the problem is they're in the same division as the Dodgers, so you got to look at most likely the wild card is their path, but. I think the other three teams in their division are beatable, and the Giants and the Rockies will probably be pretty bad. And, you know, the, the Padres are kind of right there with them, but a little bit behind. So I think Arizona's a sneaky wild card contender. Um, I, you know, I, I think any, any one of four teams could come out of the NL, NL Central. The only one that can is the Pirates, but all the other four teams can. I think the Cubs are actually sneaky vulnerable. I think that they might be the one team that you look at their pitching, especially their bullpen. You start looking, you dig a little deeper, and they're not totally settled. I think that they're, they're kind of at the back end of their run, so they could fall off pretty hard this year. Hey, meanwhile, um, I'm curious, strategies for drafting this year. If you're in a roto league and it's only 60 games, what's more important, a guy that's playing every day or a pitcher? I think you get the early pitchers and then just seek out play, uh, at-bats. That's at least uh, what I did in a draft last night. Now, granted, it's a... A big draft. It's a 15-team mix, and it's an overall contest. I wanted to get two aces that I knew were going to get their innings, and I got that in Verlander and Flaherty, and just loaded up on bats after that for a while. Uh, I think got that's so, one path to go ahead and do that. Yeah, I am craving those boring veterans. Give me a Corey Dickerson or a David Peralta. Now, always there for me in my drafts, it seems like, although I missed out on Peralta last night, but I have him in a lot of places. Um, you're looking for things like that. You're looking because I think he who gets the most at-bats might win. Absolutely. I think that's a terrific uh, strategy. Now, did you pick Verlander in the first round? I did at pick 12. I, ah, I, had, I, I could have taken Scherzer if I had wanted to. Uh, it, was the, it was starting pitcher three, though. It was the, you know, both DeGrom and Cole, and Cole were gone. Cole went first overall in this draft. Keep in mind, it's not just a league. There's an overall contest, too. So you've got to get your strikeouts. You, know, you can't really afford to punt anything. Uh, you have mm-hmm. to contend in every sort of category. So I, and you know something always has to give in a in a format like that. So my my plan 
was to get those two aces, avoid that second tier of starters for the most part, and just try to grab like seven or eight at-bats after that. And I did that. I'm a little light on saves is my downfall in that one, perhaps. But I'm hoping I can hustle and uh, steal a few here and there. Well, I'll tell you right now, I like the way you're thinking with it. I love it. I mean, there's some – it's fun because I'm, like, looking at the at the top players right now. And, and again, Trevor Story is almost a top five overall player. And I just kind of think it to myself. He's in cores. He's terrific in cores. Will he be able – is he one of these guys that in an abbreviated 60-game season could, could absolutely live up to his value? Sure, of course. Power speed guy and plays in cores could get uh... – you know, could hit for a higher average. You know, he goes ahead of his teammate Nolan Arenado because Arenado doesn't run. Uh, and a lot of in the thing, the strategy behind that too is you want to get your speed, you know, from guys that do multiple things uh, instead of just speed only guys. You don't, you know, chan- you know the guys like Malik Smith, uh, you know, Billy Hamilton before that, Delano DeShields Jr. You know, in the year that he was drafted high, they're at risk to lose playing time. And if they don't get you, if they don't crush stolen bases for you, what are they bringing to the table? Uh, it, it seems like they usually fall back quite a bit, a little bit, as far as overall value. So I try to avoid having to, to go to those guys to go ahead and get my speed. I want to go elsewhere. Who are the stars you're laying off a little bit that you're kind of aren't? Uh, I know Trout because obviously he's going to have to be attending the birth of his first child. But mm-hmm. who else are you a little uh, little concerned with in terms of first second round guys? Yeah, well, and Trout they got some definition with him. Uh, his his wife is due August third, and he will play. You know, that, you know that was kind of up in the air a little bit. So we still don't know how much time he's going to miss, but at least we know he's going to be on the field. You know, I'm still not going after Freddie Freeman. What he costs. Uh, I understand he's he's pushing towards being ready. I kind of wonder, though, if he's going to be a little bit behind the start. Maybe that's unfair. I'm definitely pushing back on Anthony Rendon with this oblique injury. He, they just said today, the Angels just did that, he'll probably miss at least one or two games, and an IL trip is not out of the question still. Uh, so that's, that's a guy that I, I'm not going to end up with any more teams. I think I got him in the January draft, but that's it. Um, I... I still discount Aaron Judge. I know he's back and hitting homers now. I just the risk of injury there is you know, I, I try to eliminate injury risk. Uh healthy guy that I don't have any of is Trevor Bauer. Uh, yeah, he's looked great and he looked great in spring training, but man, I am very you know, I you know, he was so rough last year. He's only had one year where his ratios were really that good. You get the strikeouts with him. But you really put your your whip at risk, and I don't want that for my one or two starter. I don't want a guy that walks a ton of guys. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait uh, for the season to start tomorrow. Looking forward to having you back with us throughout the course of the uh, of the year. And I guess I'm also interested one other thing before I wrap it up. You know, Kansas City hit three star Astros yesterday and two of them in succession. Um, and, and I kind of wonder, knowing Bregman and Altuve were plunked and Altuve was, is a little banged up right now, if we're going to start to see more teams throwing at the Astros and if there will become a breaking point where even because of COVID and social distancing, we see a fight or two because they've just had enough. It's possible. Um, you know, there's strict uh, penalties against fighting, but that doesn't mean open season either, right? Uh, however, uh, one of those two plunkings was a breaking ball. Altuve got hurt actually at the play at the plate, not by the break, by the hit by pitch. So you know we got to make sure uh, you know that you, you know it's we don't conflate everything. But yeah, I and that's one of the things like you know baseball players aren't going to forget this. I understand they've been through a lot, and maybe there's a whole player unity as a whole because the union's going to be in for a big fight with the owners, and so maybe they're. Less inclined, but this this 
this one dug deep, and I think a lot of people are still mad at the Astros. Terrific stuff as always. Jeff, enjoy the conversation. Look forward to doing it again with you right back here next week. Awesome, Steve. Looking forward to having some games to talk about. No doubt about it. He's Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com, as we continue on Sports Talk. 44 Pass, back with more as we roll through here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Hour three underway. We've got a fun guest coming up on the show next to talk to us. Melvin uh, Milton is the event coordinator of the Borderplex Elite Combine coming this Saturday morning to El Paso at Blackie Cheshire. And Melvin uh, joins us live uh, on our phone lines right now. Hey, we appreciate the time, Melvin, and uh, welcome to the show. How are you today? All right, yourself, sir? Doing well, thank you. Now, Melvin, we're excited about this camp because uh, it seems like Saturday uh, morning, uh, this is just what the doctor ordered for uh, high school football players, an opportunity to get measured properly, showcase their skills, and uh, most importantly, have a video that uh, they'll be able to use to try to uh, play to the next level once their high school days are gone. That is absolutely correct, sir. Um... It's so difficult here for El Paso due to it's so isolated on the far west Texas. Uh, usually you have to drive to Dallas or Phoenix or, you know, other big, large cities in order to be seen, uh, if at all. So we're very excited to bring a camp of this magnitude here to El Paso. Uh, we have the uh, powerful battle sports uh, backing this uh, event, along with some uh, professors coming from San Antonio and some other locations to help run the event here. So we are excited, sir, about running this event here for our local athletes and surrounding uh, areas. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us your background and what's kind of led you out here to the Sun City. Well, I'm military, so I've been uh, here for about four years now. Uh, actually, the military, been in the military 20 years. Uh, been coaching for about six years now. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, an opportunity here in El Paso. There's a lot of great athletes here. Uh, and, you know, we've just been running several events here to bring exposure to uh, the youth athletes and now moving into the high school arena to, you know, bring exposure here uh, for these, these athletes and, and uh, try to get them out there uh, and get seen, sir. As someone in the military, how difficult is it to try to balance your military obligations with getting a chance to coach and, and work uh, with the football players from around the city? Uh, honestly, the military actually supports it a lot. They support community Activities, you know, we get awards sometimes for supporting the community. Um, you know, uh, the military here is pro El Paso, and uh, we love it here. And uh, so due to the fact I work in the hospital, I don't really work in the, uh, the field environment anymore. It's not that difficult. Uh, and my leaders actually support it. So uh, they're excited to see us uh, green suiters uh, supporting the community and the, and the youth, sir. Melvin Milton with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Have you uh, put on camps before, or is this going to be your first one? We put on youth camps. This would be our first high school camp. Um, we were engaged by a couple of individuals due to the fact of the COVID pandemic here uh, to possibly do something of this magnitude for the, uh, the, the high school athletes in the surrounding areas here due to the fact that this might be their last opportunity to be seen uh, due to the fact of the COVID and not being able to go to camps. And, you know, sometimes there's, you know, families just can't afford it. Uh, to travel to Dallas and to other areas in Houston and so forth where these big Under Armour camps and so forth. So we decided to reach out to our, uh, our contacts that we have at the youth level and would they, just, would they be willing to put this on? And they said, absolutely, they would love to. And, and that's how we are where we are right now. Sir. 
That's fantastic. So you work with the youth. Now you get a chance to get to the high school level. And I'm sure you recognize what a lot of us already know, that it is so difficult for El Paso high school athletes to get the exposure they need to sometimes get an opportunity to even play at the next level. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not that they don't have the athletes here. I mean, uh, we, we have we have some great, great athletes here. They just don't get the, you know, the opportunity. So, uh, again, we've, We've done a great job. Uh, we, we have a exciting uh, platform uh, this Saturday. Uh, we got, you know, for you know fifty dollars for which is might be expensive to some, but what we're offering and and uh, the products that we're giving out, uh, you know, sometimes they charge two hundred, three hundred. So uh, we would like El Paso support, El Paso's high school support, uh, everyone's support to come out here and support this camp. We're 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 handing out custom battle compression shirts. They're custom made. Uh, we're handing out individual, uh, professional, edited, um, combined videotapes for the athlete that they can give to whatever college and stuff they want to. They can put on their YouTube or their IG or their Huddle account. Uh, that's usually not given out. Um, so we're doing, we're doing that. Uh, we are streaming it live. So we are sending out the live link to over 150 schools, including D1, D2, and D3, and including HBCUs, Historical Black Colleges, that email will go out tonight with the live stream. So we're bringing everything to the camp here for these athletes here, and we just want them to come out and, and do what they do, and the platform is here for that, sir. I love that. I think that's terrific. So you're making it easy for them, and then it's just a matter of the athletes uh, taking it from there and uh, having the opportunity to showcase themselves and get noticed, which is uh, really what it's all about, right? Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. The video itself sounds terrific when you think about what they will get for that, too. I mean, the video normally would cost hundreds of dollars by itself. It's included in the cost for $50. And you really can utilize this to send it around, get noticed, and have an opportunity to, to uh, you know, try and, and parlay a, a good showing at this camp into potentially playing at the next level. Yes, sir. That's uh, probably one of the biggest values uh, that we are providing for this camp and for the athletes, uh, a professionally edit, edited video. Uh, I think I sent you uh, yesterday, uh, you know, a, an example of one that the athlete will be getting, and it's very yeah. detailed, uh, and it shows exactly, you know, the athlete's dimensions, their flexibility, their 40 time, uh, you know, their throwing ability, whatever position they're going to play. So um, it, it, it's a good product, and it's a – something for them to keep uh with their with their combine registration so we're proud to offer that uh, like i said i don't know too many camps that offer that at all if, if they do no I'm, I'm hearing you on that one and that's why i wonder so far have you been able to get the early response you need for this borderplex elite combine i know having you on the show and trying to spread the message is what we're all about but i'm wondering what the uh, initial response has been from people around the sun city so far uh it, it was slow at first sir uh it started to pick up very uh pick up quickly in the last uh, 72 hours so we're almost reaching capacity for it, uh, but it is, it is, you know, uh, we'll do whatever we can to get these athletes in. Uh, you know, Battle Sports is willing to, to do whatever it takes to get these athletes. So it is starting to pick up uh, lately. Uh, we're just trying to get the word out to, you know, some of the top athletes we have here. We have a, a lots of them um, that have signed up, um, but, you know, there is more out there, and uh, we just want to ensure that they know about it because not everybody has social media. And that's where most of our advertising is right now. Um, so 
appreciate you having us on and spreading the word, sir. And uh, hopefully some athletes uh, hear your show and hear what we're offering and, uh, and register. That'd be great. Melvin, as far as the camp itself, I know registration starts at 7.30. The camp's expected to get going at 9.30. How long do you expect it to last? Uh, we expect it to last about 4.30. So uh, in the morning time, we do the registration. Uh, going, we do their you know, measurements of their hands, their wingspan, their weight. Uh, we got to do the COVID restrictions, you know, make sure we get their temperature and hand sanitizing and things of that nature. Uh, we're not that out in the morning time along with their the cone drills, really, the, the flexibility test, their 40 times, the shuttle drills. Um, after that, we'll take a lunch break, uh, and then we'll come back until most of the stuff is scripted in the afternoon uh, where they really get to show their talents in the way. The quarterback script, uh, you know, they have so many throws, 15 to 25 throws that they do, a wide receiver uh, catching the ball, running back catching the ball. So that all that would be in the afternoon. Uh, so we expect it to end about 4.35 o'clock, sir. Okay, excellent. And as far as the um, number, will there be any uh, college scouts that will have a chance to attend? No. So there won't be any that we're aware of, of course. Uh, but no, uh, we will be live streaming this for them. Uh, and like I said, we're sending the link out to over 150 to 200 schools uh, tonight, uh, the professional live streaming that we have. Uh, so they'll be having that and um, – they can always go back and watch it also. So uh, all the high, all the colleges that we'll be receiving that, that link. Oh, I like that a lot. I think that's terrific. So they'll get links and uh, they'll have the opportunity to, uh, again, make the most of this. Uh, and, and is this going to be just for juniors and seniors? Or how are we, uh, how, you know, in terms of the, the, the athletes themselves, what are you targeting? No, so we're uh, targeting the class of 21 through 24, well, we are offering it to uh, 2025 also. And the reason that is, is uh, this is their, uh, their, their chance to go out here and know what a combine really is, what they have to do, what they don't, you know, what's the right way to do things, uh, what's their measurement. Um, you know, how do you line up? How do you measure up against their real D1 athletes? Uh, so we are offering it to 2025 also. So our target is 21 through 24. But we have a, lot, uh, a handful of 25 athletes also attending. Again, we're talking right now to Melvin Milton. He's the event coordinator for the Borderplex uh, Elite uh, Football Combine this Saturday at Blackie Chesser. Um, Adrian, I know you've got some questions for Melvin. Why don't you go ahead? Hey, Melvin. I-, I wanted to know about some specific prospects that you guys are bringing in for the event, guys that you're really excited to see that have registered so far because we cover a lot of high school athletes here in El Paso, and it's just kind of interesting to note uh, some of the guys who are going to be at this camp. Yeah, I know notably we have Adrian Parsons, which is a big arm a quarterback coming in from uh, Bel Air High School. We have, uh, his last name is Miles. Uh, sorry, I don't have the paper on me. He is coming in from uh, Massachusetts. He is a big prospect out of the Massachusetts area. We have a couple of uh, athletes coming in from Cornerstone uh, out of San Antonio, which if you don't know, they're on the news right now. They, <laughs> they're causing some some rumbles down there because they are they are uh, very very good and they they uh, took some kids from Judson, so a couple of those athletes are coming uh, this way also. Um, we have, um, I think his name is Sean. He is coming from. Uh, he's going to Montwood, big defensive end. Uh, he'll be in, uh, in attendance. Um, I wish I had the uh, list on me. So we 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 have a we have a top thirty list. 
Um, well, and we you're tracking about 19 of them that, that are coming. Uh, we're trying to get some other big-time prospects to come. Um, but, uh, again, they have a lot of uh, other camps that they're going to at that time, so they are uh, unconfirmed, but hopefully they do come. Um, that we've, we've spoken to their parents and them also. But um, we, we have some big-time athletes coming out there uh, to, to throw the rock around. Uh, Agayo Ochoa, he is a freshman coming in from uh, into Pebble Hills. Uh, again, he's coming from the youth arena, but he is a national champion. Uh, he's coming in. If you don't know, his brother is Sebastian Ochoa, which is uh, he just graduated from Pebble Hills, a big-time uh, quarterback out of there. So he's coming as a freshman. So we, ha- we have a couple of athletes, sir. Adrian Parsons, I mean, that's a great name right there. And we talk on the show so much about the prospects out of this class, 2020. I mean, of course, you're talking Aaron Dumas leading the way for this class with Orion Olivas. And then you look uh, even beyond in uh, future classes, like the class of 2022, which uh, is headlined by Tavoris Jones. Those guys are going to be the guys who get the Division I offers. But guys like Adrian Parsons, who has shown what he could do on the field, really needs uh, all the exposure, all the experience he could get in order to get more offers his way because he's a very talented quarterback and something like this could really help him out moving forward absolutely and we are very excited to have him there um and hopefully like i said we can give him continue to provide the platforms as necessary for uh him to him and others of his uh, uh of his quality to get these offers d1 d2 d3 it doesn't matter uh, and put El Paso on the map, uh, let him know that we have athletes, and ultimately get him an education and hopefully uh, do what uh, what Aaron Jones did, and that's go to the NFL, which is probably all of their dreams. Last one for Melvin, me. Yep, go yeah, on. I just want to ask one more on my end. Uh, what are, What is the uh, the importance of being in a structured combine format? I, I know that there are s- several, uh, you know, different events that are put on uh, here in El Paso, like the 915 Showcase that does similar things uh, for their athletes. But what's the importance of having such younger kids learn the, the process for combine drills uh, as they move forward in their, in their careers? Well, it, it, it allows them to know what they need to work on. You know, what they need to work on, how does it feel? You know, it's like practice. It's like practice for them without actually without actually being in that environment as a junior and as a senior to where it's really showtime. And I know, you know, as an eighth grader coming in or a ninth grader coming in, you still have about 36 months. If you really think about it, you have about 36 months uh, when you come in as a freshman to where you have to, to either, you know, get on the pot or get off. You know, you got to go to those combines and show out. Uh, you got to get the 40 times. You got to have all the things that are necessary to get the scholarship. So that's about a 36 month time frame if you really think about it. So we offer this to them as an eighth and a ninth grader. Uh, they have several different opportunities to get better, to practice and get better and learn how to be in that environment and then have that exposure uh, that is necessary to, to perform at those top levels, sir. So it's, it's extremely important that the younger athletes, the eighth and ninth and tenth graders, uh, participate. Um, to, to, to better themselves. Where would you like to see this go in the future? If you had a chance to really develop this, uh, this combine into something that you kind of, what, what's, what's your you know, three- to five-year plan as you look at this? The three- to five-year plan is the, we're, we're going to hold it here annually. We have plans to hold it here annually to provide this for uh, El Paso. So we, we do have that. But I, w- I would love to, again, I am, you know, more on the youth level, and I'm starting to get into the, the high school area. 
to offer these type things to, you know, build relationships with the high school coaches, you know, um, educate, educate myself, educate the staff self, you know, what we can do better, what we can provide better, um, bring in different people, bring in different professional companies, uh, you know, just expand this. Um, I don't see why we can't. Uh, I am a dreamer, but uh, without dreams, you, uh, you don't get anywhere. So I think, it'd be, I think it can become huge. Uh, people don't understand is um, El Paso. If you look at the, uh, the geographic location of El Paso, it is actually the middle point between the West Coast and the eastern borderline of uh, Texas. So it is a perfect location to have the best of the best meet up. Uh, we have the best facilities. We have some of the best weather uh, to meet up to to have these type of camps. Um, we just need to uh, do it as a city, uh, put our heads together as a city, and uh, I don't see why not we cannot grow this thing and bring in some of the top, top athletes in the nation uh, every year. Melvin, um, we tweeted out the link through the team app for the camp. Is that the best way for people to sign up for this, or is there a way they can search and find uh, the link to, to go to the Borderplex Elite Combine for Saturday? Yes, sir. Uh, the link, we uh, actually have to take the link down uh, because of battle. We have to uh, start ordering the shirts, but we ordered excess shirts. So if they want to participate, um, they can just give me a call. My uh, phone number, again, is uh, 619-219-9865. Again, that is 619-219-9865. They can give me a call, and we can do registration over the phone. Actually, in the last two hours, I've done seven over the phone. Wow. So as, as you can see, it is, it is picking up. Um, we are we're very, very excited. Uh, to, to, to do this for the city of El Paso. Will you be taking walk-ups on Saturday? Yes, we will be taking walk-ups on Saturday, uh, unless we meet our capacity, uh, but we will be taking uh, walk-ups. Fantastic. All right, great job. Appreciate the time, and uh, look forward to uh, a successful event for you. No, thank you so much, and thank you for the time on the air. appreciate it. Melvin Milton joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue. So much more to get to. Charlie One's back with traffic, and then we'll keep things moving right here. It's 600 ESPN El Paso.